I want us to ask, what is Christmas really about? And more importantly, what do we want to make it? What do we want to make Christmas this year? Now, you've noticed that it is November the 6th, and this is a quite an early time to be talking about it. But realistically, I know that most of you, perhaps slightly more organised people, are already thinking like this. You're already planning what you're going to be doing. You may have bought half your presents already. And therefore, I think it's a perfect time to be talking about what we're going to do. Because ultimately, if we're going to make any reasonable sized decisions about what we're going to do at Christmas that might be maybe slightly different, uh, then we have to do them now. Otherwise, they won't happen. So this is, this is a perfect time to be talking about it. Uh, before we start, I'm going to ask this question. What do the people that you know think is important about Christmas? So I'm talking about your friends, your neighbours, your work colleagues. So I want to talk to you to talk to the person next to you for maybe one minute and ask them what the people that they know, people that they kind of interact with in their day-to-day life, think is important at Christmas. I'm not specifically talking about churchgoers here. I'm talking about anyone. So talk to the person next to you for one minute about that. Okay. Hopefully you've covered the main things. It's multi-layered, isn't it? It's nuanced. It's not as straightforward as one thing or another thing. There's actually a lot going on here when people think about and talk about Christmas. I'm going to use a pretty terrible metaphor for you that hopefully will stick with you just because it's so bad. Let's see if we can get somewhere. So it's Christmas. The way that people see Christmas is a little bit like a locket. Has everyone had these? Okay, they've got this kind of hard, crunchy outer coating that you're supposed to suck, but I ended up just chewing at, and it gets stuck in your teeth, you know the thing? And then uh, eventually, inside this is like sweet, warm centre, which is supposed to soothe your throat, uh, and that may, kind of makes everything seem okay. Now, lockets we take in order to sort out our colds and our uh, kind of uh, symptoms, uh, but, but ultimately, unlike a locket, I think that this... Uh, this view of Christmas like a locket is actually the cause of the problems that we have with Christmas and it will blunt our effectiveness as followers of Jesus. So let's kind of have a look at the, the different aspects of, of Christmas. This is, this is like the hard, crunchy, oucher coaching of Christmas, which is commercialism. You know, So the idea that uh, Christmas is an obsession with shopping, things and presents. Okay, and then this is the version of Christmas that retailers would love to kind of foister on us because they make more money that way. So, so kind of manufactured holidays like Black Friday, uh, which seems to, we seem to have managed to inherit, I'm not quite sure how, uh, from other countries uh, in order to get ready for Christmas. Last-minute deals, buying enormously expensive things we cannot afford, extravagant overspending because it's Christmas. Uh, now, we spend a fortune on presents as a culture and a society. I've quoted this statistic before, but it's so profound I want to quote it again. Adults in the UK, on average, receive £2.6 billion worth of unwanted presents. 
at Christmas. That's not the wanted ones. Those are the unwanted ones. According to new research, the study found that 32% of people received at least one unwanted present every year. Get this, the average value of this unwanted present was £155. Of those who received unwanted goods, 14% said that they were worth at least £500. 3% of the men questioned admitted being given an unwanted present with a value of £1,000 or more. That just grates on me, rather like the blackboard, you know? (laughs) Now, we we think about that and we think, oh my goodness, that is a lot of money to spend. And, And truth be told... Our society is becoming wiser to this, aren't they? You know, in the era of internet deals and, and being able to find bargains everywhere and also just the understanding that, that Christmas isn't really all about commercialism. Uh, you know, it, so people kind of say, OK, well, it's all about the food, which is just an extension of that. You know, uh, there's plenty of recipe books that are out for Christmas. You can, you know, spend a whole bunch of time and money and effort on creating this incredible uh, Christmas banquet. Uh, but of course, we know that it isn't really about the food uh, it is actually about something else altogether. So our society, actually, if you pressed people, would say that. That it isn't really about the presence, it isn't really about the food. Okay, so this second value is hammered into our culture, and it is much more subtle. Okay, but I still think that it is misleading. So if you'll bear with me, I have an iconic 90s moment for you on video. Are you ready for me? This is the, one of the Christmas, Christmasiest moments of my childhood. Okay, so it's from Home Alone. Chris, could you play that? Is that okay? So this is the moment where the mother returns. Okay, that'll do. (laughs) So this is interesting. So in case you don't know the story, who hasn't seen this film? Okay, like three people, so I'm not going to explain it. (laughs) So this is the story of a little boy called Kevin who was left home alone while his parents went to Paris. It's completely preposterous, but it is actually a film. And he's left in this very nice house all on his own to fend off burglars whilst his parents frantically try and make it back to his house on Christmas Eve, and you saw the end there. So the interesting thing about this film is that it sets up this family as reasonably normal but also a bit dysfunctional. So 
Kevin isn't really very much liked. Everyone finds him irritating, and that's how they manage to lose him. But at the end, his mother realizes the true meaning of Christmas, and which is, of course, family. And the idea that as long as we are all together at Christmas, everything is going to be okay. So this, this movie is basically, that's the message of it, that, that even though you know, everything might go wrong, or you know, burglars burgle your house, you lose your stuff, or we're, we're not managed to make it to Paris, or whatever it is, Christmas is all about family. Because as long as we're all together, we're okay. Right? Now, it's interesting that there, there are lots and lots of movies like this. And even, you know, even the big nasty brother and him made up, right? You know, there's, there's, there's lots of movies uh, that kind of portray this. Elf is another great Christmas movie. I love Elf. But it, it's just, it gives the same message that Christmas is about bringing the family back together. It's not about work or money. It's all about being with the people that you love, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but it's not actually what Christmas is about at all. <laughs> uh, so this, this picture, uh, which is not actually there. I don't know what's happened to it. Uh, let's see. We lost the projector? Two seconds, that's fine. The picture that I just saw, which I think you just saw there, which was uh, of a, a, a family um, opening present, still commercial was in there, it's kind of interesting, uh, it was subtitled, From Our Family to Yours, Merry Christmas from Bulwark Exterminating Pest Control Service. <laughs> That's the actual picture I found. That's what they posted, which I thought was great because it shows that actually it's, it's a little bit artificial. <laughs> this whole idea of manufacturing a kind of family in order to support your brand, I thought was, was interesting. But most of the, the family pictures I could find when I searched for, for pictures of Christmas and family, they're all around the kids opening the presents. So actually, it's not really very different uh, to the commercialism side. Now, I'm not saying that family isn't important. Of course, I'm not saying that. And having your family around you at Christmas is a wonderful thing. And we all always take time to spend time together, quality time, as a family at Christmas. That's very important. Uh, but this is an incomplete picture of what Christmas is. And this is almost like the world's soft kind of inner coating of Christmas. We've got the commercialism, but ultimately it's not about the money, it's all about the family. But there were problems with it. Uh, this is not such a palatable message for people with difficult families, where the thought of restoration and reconciliation, rather like that sugar sweet video clip I showed you earlier, uh, is just so remote as to be impossible. There's no comfort there for you if that's your position. Also, if you don't have a family or if you're left on your own or maybe all your family have died uh, you know, and you're very elderly or something like that, uh, it can actually make people feel very lonely rather than comfort, comforted and secure. So there are problems with looking at Christmas as all about family. And ultimately, uh, as a group of people, a, group, a band of followers of Jesus, of people trying to, to follow his message and his teachings, uh, we have our own real message of Christmas. We have a version of Christmas that transcends family and makes it complete. And we have a version of Christmas that crushes the ideas of commercialism. And ultimately Christmas, uh, as we have talked about a lot already, is all about this guy. It's all about Jesus, his invasion of our world and his mission to save us from ourselves. This is what it's about. This is what Christmas is about. It's about God's redemptive mission. You know, God made an overture to the world in the form of Jesus as a little baby at Christmas. And Jesus is the centre of Christmas. Now, we all know that, I think. Or well, many of us know that. Many of us have accepted that. We've, we've kind of rejected the commercialism thing long ago. And we do think Christmas is about family, but we also know it's about Jesus. But ultimately, I don't know about you, sometimes it's very easy to let those kind of values from the world kind of project onto my Christmas rather than allowing my values to project onto the Christmas that I want to have or I choose to have. And now the only time that you can really think about that is now so we can plan it and work out what we're going to do. 
Now, this has always been true. The church's values and our values have always been at odds. Okay, sorry, our values have always been at odds with the world's values. And sometimes they seem to kind of mesh and overlap slightly, but often they clash head on and we can't really reconcile them. Uh, so, for example, as followers of Jesus, I mean, even Paul said this, he said that the message of the cross in the Bible is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, he recognized this. So individual family uh, values, for example, that, that perhaps uh, people who are not following Jesus don't really get at all. Uh, one is that we don't really focus on our own happiness. Our ultimate focus is on Jesus. We're not you know, going through life trying to be happy. We're trying to focus on serving Jesus, laying down our own priorities for him because we love him, for example. You know, following Jesus also means rejoicing even in the midst of great suffering and difficulty, doesn't it? I mean, we talked about that last week about not being worried about anything, but bringing everything to Jesus and rejoicing in the midst of it. We spent some time talking about an issue as a leadership team this week, and uh, we were talking, it was a tricky issue, we weren't sure as to, as to the way forward, but we took some time just to pray and rejoice. We said, God, we rejoice, even though we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we don't know what we're going to do, because we know that you have the answers. That is completely at odds with you know, the, the world's view of suffering and, and difficulty. Following Jesus means lo- learned, learning to love and pray for the people who hate us and wish us dead. Learning, for example, how to pray for uh, followers of ISIS or the leaders of ISIS, for example. Learning how to love, accept and pray for uh, pedophiles and sex offenders, for example. You know, people who our society would, necessarily, would, would potentially not include... We, it is our job as a church to include as people who follow Jesus. Somehow we need to figure out how to do that appropriately. Uh, following Jesus means forgiving freely and completely without any strings attached or any revenge or any hope of any kind of sorry. You know, that's part of following Jesus. These things are not uh, easy, but this is part of the road that we're on. Also, standing up for our rights is not something that you find in the kingdom of God. We take the role of servants, not consumers. You know, people who we're not interested in getting what we can, we're interested in giving what we can. These values are completely at odd with, odds with most of what we see out in the world. And as a church community, we really try and focus on uh, following Jesus together with, with kind of trying to distill down some of these values, don't we? So, for example, we say in this church, come as you are. We don't require people to change or become more palatable to us or this community in some way so that you are welcomed in. You are welcome, whatever you've done or whoever you are. You are welcome here. You can come on a Sunday, you can come to a life group, whatever. Uh, you say, come as you are. Uh, leadership uh, in a church community is not the same as it is in the world. We ultimately see leaders as servants. You know, we often draw our, uh, when we draw organisation charts, we tend to draw them upside down so that the, the senior leaders are at the bottom. <laughs> I've seen that done a lot in churches. Because uh, leadership is ultimately about choosing to put ourselves and our priorities last and to focus on putting others first. Uh, We don't come, as I've said before, to church as consumers of services, consumers of pastoral or spiritual services, uh, you know, or goods or services uh, in order to uh, to make ourselves feel better. You know, that's not the that's not the relationship. Uh, We come as a living community. We all make church happen together. You know, 20 percent or 30 percent of you are here today uh, on a team. I just know that because I know it takes about 40 people to run church. And so therefore, uh, a number of you are here uh, doing that. So that's part of how church happens. It wouldn't happen unless we were all there doing that. Uh, we care for people who are in need. This is really important. People that other people miss or would rather ignore. I would point to this as a good example of how we do that. 
we exist to serve the people who aren't in our community. Almost all other organizations exist for the benefit of their own members. We exist for the benefit of people who aren't in our organization yet. We want to bring hope and life to our city. That's partly why we exist. So I'd really encourage us today as we think about this uh, to uh, think about Christmas and do Christmas this year in the light of our own values. Let's rethink it from the ground up. Let's build it back up from the starting point that we're at uh, rather than the world's point of view. Let's not start with what we see around us or what we've always done perhaps or what the Christmas probably that you inherited from your parents, who they, which they inherited from their parents. I'm sure many things about that are good, but let's rethink them. Let's think, do we actually want to do that? Do we want to do something different this year? Let's be so different about the way we approach Christmas that people notice. Okay, so I'm going to apply, I haven't got very long, but I'm going to apply very quickly uh, four values to Christmas to see kind of how they fit. We talked a little bit about the values that we have as followers of Jesus and also as a church. Let's see how we can apply those specifically to Christmas. So this, at this point, this is all ideas, and I want you to really think about some of these ideas and see how you can apply them to yourselves and to your own situations. The first one is kind of, it's a cliche and it's kind of obvious, but let's not forget about Jesus this Christmas. Let's, let's really try not to. It's very easy to do, funnily enough. And obviously, he is the, reason, the whole reason we're here in church. You know, if he, if he didn't exist, I wouldn't be here. I'd be playing golf or something else. I don't know. But I wouldn't be here. And if he wasn't, uh, wasn't the centre of what we're doing here, then I wouldn't come because he is the reason that we are here in church. This whole thing, warehouse, chairs, worship, car park, coffee, whatever, only exists for one person and one person alone, doesn't it? That's the only reason that we're, any of us are here. Uh, let's remember him in everything we do, which, uh, because he sustains us in our mission, in, in our purpose for living. Our purpose is to go out and to be and, and share Jesus with the entire world. That's his purpose, that's our purpose, and he sustains us in that. So in the midst of the flurry of activity and noise at Christmas, let's worship him and work out practical ways of doing that. How can we practically make time over Christmas to be quiet and remember him? <clears throat> One way that we, we, something that we did last year, which was very effective, is that we ran a SMS text message service for people through Advent, uh, which is basically a little message every day at around about 12 o'clock or so uh, to be thinking about, just something to be thinking about or praying about or just remembering Jesus through Advent. And uh, I would encourage you, we're going to publish the details for that uh, in a little while, a couple of weeks. And I'd encourage you to sign up to that if that's helpful. Uh, but also, what can you practically Get out your phone and stick in your calendar or use your paper calendar if, if that's something you still do. And uh, type in or write in, uh, what, what, why, how are you going to remember to put Jesus at the centre of Christmas? How are you going to remember that? Are you going to put a reminder on the 1st, the 7th and the 15th or something? Or maybe write in every day, remember Jesus? Or put in an appointment to pray or an alarm on your phone? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But let's work out a way of putting Jesus at the centre. Secondly, uh, breaking down the barriers of family. We have a message of Christmas, as I said, which transcends family, uh, which uh, kind of makes it complete, as I said earlier. And one of our key values as a church is to bring hope and life to our various communities. Okay, so by being inclusive and transcending family, we can include those people who are lonely and who haven't got much to do at Christmas. Family is not just nuclear in our church. It permeates our whole community. And you know the reason we do that is because Jesus did it. He was constantly inviting the tax collectors. Um, he was including 
people in his circle that wouldn't otherwise be included, like, for example, women in that society, uh, the poor, uh, prostitutes, tax collectors, Samaritans, even Roman soldiers were all kind of included and in the mix, including, you know, super religious people and people who'd never really been in the synagogue. He was including all of them. And in the same way, we want to do that. Jesus literally came down to this world to make himself, uh, make home with us uh, at Christmas. How can we make our home in the midst of the people around us? How can we invite people, for example, into our homes and lives and share what we have with people? Now, this seems, this seems hard, right? This is a bit of a hard ask. Um, now, I'm not necessarily saying to you, although you're welcome to do it if you want to, uh, to go and invite the first you know, lonely-looking person on the, in the high street that you see and bring them in for a Christmas meal. That's not really what I'm saying. I'm kind of saying, let's just, let's just pray and ask God, who do we want to include? Who do we already know who we want to include at some point over Christmas? You know, who might, might really enjoy or, or benefit from coming to the Christmas fair and being invited to that? And who might really enjoy that? Uh, and just invite them just because it's fun. You know, who would, might be uh, more interested in the carol service on the 11th of December? Now, that'll be Christmassy and lovely, but we also talk more about Jesus at that one than we will at the Christmas fair. So, so potentially that's something that, that someone might like. Um, you know, maybe do a little drinks party at your house just before Christmas, maybe just after Christmas. Maybe just invite the nearest five neighbours that you know. You know, you, you've probably met them once or twice. Maybe just invite them. Just say, hey, I'm doing a little drinks thing at Christmas. Come on. That's, that's quite easy to do. Uh, what about throwing a New Year's party with a life group in your area? Uh, why don't you uh, just invite people to your, invite your friends to that? Just have some fun. You don't have to stay up till midnight. Just do an early evening one. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever you'd like to do. I'm um, sure go mad and stay up until 6 a.m. if you want, but you, know, you don't have to do that. Uh, let's, let's not make the bar high. Let's just make the bar really low and do something simple in order to live out following Jesus in the midst of this. Uh, now, New Year, some people love to use the time to pray and worship God, and that's great because we want to focus on Jesus too over this time. Um, and some people want to use the time just to have fun and, and party, and that's also fine. But remember that both, both are good. One isn't more important than the other. Okay, uh, you know, Jesus wouldn't have gone to so many parties if all he wanted us to do was to pray over New Year. You know, I'm, I'm very much for that, but I'm also saying that you know, you're welcome to just go and, go and include people, go and invite people. Uh, let's be intentional with our time over Christmas as we're planning what we're going to do with the holiday period. Another thing that as a church we are really good at that I wanted to bring up again is the idea of giving hope, crushing commercialism. This is the, this is the kind of antidote to commercialism. Uh, instead of more for me and more for my children, it's about how about enough for those people I'll never meet for example, or something for those people I'll never meet. Now, we are, we are really good at this as a church, and I'm really proud to be part of a church that is good at this. Uh, we don't just give money to those we already care about. We give time and money in spades to people we never meet. Uh, and I'm, I'm so proud of that in this church. And there is such a blessing and, and just such a joy in giving uh, in order to, to join in with this. It's a great lesson for kids just to learn how to give you know, from a young age uh, to others and seeing the benefits and the effects of that. Uh, and just feeling, you know, just feeling like we're joining in with, with Jesus's heart on that. You know, he, the reason we do it is because Jesus cares about the poor and, and cares about those in need. He shows that consistently throughout all of the stories about him. So we want to do the same. It's as simple as that. If you haven't joined the many, many people in this church who already make people's Christmases a bit better, can I really encourage you to think about what was shared earlier with the notices and just think about how you could get involved. It's a great thing to do. And asking yourself the question, how can we practically spend a bit less money this year to make this possible? Uh, could we reduce our budget per person a bit, perhaps? Could we perhaps do something like a secret Santa 
so we all buy one present for each other, uh, for our wider family. Uh, could we make presents, not buy them uh, this year? Could we give the extra away as, as Christmas hampers, or maybe to the Karis Kids Christmas Party, which is a really important event? Uh, the Karis Christmas Party, they're running a, a Christmas party for the kids in Uganda this year, and they, they would love support and help to be able to financially do that. Uh, now, we, we ourselves have tried to do this last year. We took on some of these conversations. We talked to our wider family about reducing the presents, and that was really hard. It didn't go very well. <laughs> you know, they, they found that difficult. And these conversations are a bit awkward, but let's at least have them and let's talk about them. And, and, and uh, we couldn't come to an agreement on that one, but, but we tried, and I think that's the important thing, just to try and figure out how are we going to do Christmas our way, uh, not necessarily the way that, that everybody else does. Uh, so it is a bit hard to do that, but it is also a good thing. And a lot of the things I've said today might, be fe- might make you be feeling a little bit stressful. You know, you're thinking, oh my goodness, how, how can I fit all of this in? And this is why I read out those two Bible passages at the beginning, which I'm going to very quickly return to. So Jesus tells us two things, two important principles here in these two different passages. This is the first one. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is hard to follow. No one ever said that following Jesus was going to be a walk in the park. It really isn't. You know, it really is quite difficult. Uh, Now, he seems to be asking a lot from us. Now, is he asking us to get stressed? Is he asking us to to give away absolutely everything we have so that we're destitute? Is he asking us to, um, to give him every ounce of our time and neglect our family? Well, he appears to do that uh, in certain places, but I don't think that's what is happening here. He challenges specific people with points of growth, but that's not necessarily applicable to a wider group. So when Jesus, let me ask that question with a question. When Jesus was traveling around doing his work, did he ever appear rushed or out of time? Not really. He didn't appear to do life like that. He didn't appear to do life in a rush or he didn't appear to worry. Did he appear to worry about money? No, he actively said, don't worry about it. Did he appear to always have not quite enough time? Well, no, he seemed to have all the time in the world for people. You know, randomly, it seems. <laughs> you know. So he doesn't appear to be calling us through this verse to overwork or exhaustion. He doesn't appear to be calling us to that. In fact, in the second story I'm reading, he tells people to actively stop working really hard at hosting and just hang out. You know, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting worked up over nothing. So I don't believe Jesus is calling us to work ourselves to death. He does call us to lay down our lives. But I think in our culture and our society, that could be uh, very helpfully interpreted as laying down our priorities rather than just our lives. Lives is quite a big, quite heavy, difficult thing to get our heads around. But priorities is a bit more challenging. Uh, There's a guy called Michael Gatlin who says uh, people always have enough time to do the things that they want to do. I'll say that again because it's really profound. People always have enough time to do the things that they want to do, which is actually true if you think about it. We always have enough time to, to fit in another Game of Thrones stroke, House of Cards stroke, Mr. Robot stroke, whatever you're watching on Netflix, right? We always have enough time to do that. I'm not endorsing or saying you should watch any of those things or not. That's just an example. Uh, so uh, yeah we always have enough time to do what we want to do but this isn't working ourselves to death this is about doing things differently this isn't about spending more money this is about spending money differently this isn't about spending more time and working our you know just fitting more things in the diary it's about cutting some things out so that we can do other things 
The only time we can do this is now. The only time we can fix our diaries now. While we're figuring out who we're going to go and see at Christmas. Do we need to uh, do a huge tour around the country this year and see absolutely every relative this year, for example, and spend two weeks doing that? Or do we want to be focused and just say, we're going to see these guys this year and then we're going to do some other things in our local community, perhaps? Okay. The good thing about time is that we have a fixed amount. We can't get any more. We can't really get any less. We can only choose how to spend it. And Jesus was one of the, well, the most intentional people I've ever come across, ever. You know, he was so intentional about how he chose to spend his time. He was laser-focused on what he wanted to do. People always have enough time to do the things they want to do. So I'm, I've finished a bit late, and I'm sorry about that. But just to summarise, I just want us to, to think back about Christmas this year and utterly reject the received wisdom that we get from the world. Let's just completely just throw it out. We don't care about that. We're not interested. Let's do Christmas our way. Now, our Christmas might end up looking like a bit of that, and that's okay as long as we've thought about it, right? Uh, so focusing on Jesus, transcending the world's notion of family by including, inviting, crushing commercialism by caring for those in need, and laying down our own priorities to make that possible, as Jesus asked us to. I think that'll do. So how can I or my family live out our values at Christmas? What's one thing that we can do more of? What's one thing that we can do less of? How can we order our plans now so that on New Year's Day, we can look back and say that we did Christmas this year according to our values in following Jesus and not in the world's values. Thank you, Chris. Wow, fantastic. I don't know about you, but I have plenty to think about as a result of that. Thank you. And one thing that Chris has just said, there were lots of things I wrote down, but one thing that really struck me was when he talked about Jesus, he said in the Bible, Jesus challenges specific people with points of growth. And I wonder if that's a thing for us today. Perhaps we might invite the band back. And let's just pause and say, Jesus, what is it for me this year? Don't let's rush off into the next thing. But let's just say, what is it that you want to do with me now? Can I invite you to stand together? If you've got kids in kids' work, it would be great if you could go and sign them out. But please do feel free to bring them back. Um, They can be having a snack or whatever if you still want to connect with God. And we will have an opportunity to pray and to minister. But let's just have a moment just to really let this settle and hear what Jesus wants to say to us today. So Sam, would you just play quietly for us as well as we have a moment to reflect and I'll pray. Thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the reminder that it is all about you. And thank you that you treat us personally. And so please come and speak to us now. Will you come and show us what the challenge is for me and what the challenge is for each of us as we think about Christmas?
one thing I'm just struck with was when Nigel at the uh, end of the worship was saying, let's just focus on Jesus. And I think that may be the central message for some people here today, that they just need to remember to focus on him, focus on him, and, and not just do that once on a Sunday, but maybe continually do it. So I'd encourage you, if that's you, just where you are, just hold out your hands again if you'd like to, you don't have to, and just ask him again just to fill you and make you whole. We can't, none of us can do that, but he can do that. So Jesus, I just ask that you would come now and remind us of yourself, remind us of your incredible majesty, your all-sufficiency, your wonderful character, your integrity, your faithfulness. Everything here is for you. It's all for you. Kind of linked to that, and we're having the time of worship, and we're just really lifting the name of Jesus in worship, and even in the whispering His name. I was reminded of a strange story in the Old Testament, where um, the Israelites kind of been bitten by snakes, and they uh, Moses kind of put up a um, kind of a, a snake on a on a pole, and as they looked, the instructions was to look, and you will be healed. And in the New Testament, that's kind of related to Jesus. And just that sense of wherever you may be this morning, maybe it's a place of brokenness, maybe it's to do with healing, but just to lift your eyes and look on Jesus. And in that place, there's restoration. In that place, there's healing. So I'd encourage you, just lift your eyes and look upon Jesus today. And if you'd like to have somebody pray with you, to stand with you as you look to Jesus, then please do come to the front. We have space here. And if you're in one of our life groups, start coming now because there'll be people who want to be prayed for. So if you don't want to receive prayer, but you are happy to come and pray with somebody, please do come forward now. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. Some more ladies. Thank you. If you have a need for healing or another need, we'd love to pray with you. Some more prayers, please. That would be lovely.